From the newsroom of the Bryant College Station Eagle, this is the Brazos Sports Press Cast. And now, the Eagle High School Sports Team, Alex Miller and Jake Weiss. What's up, y'all? You're listening to another episode of the Brazos Sports Preps Cast. I'm Alex Miller, joined always by Mr. Jake Weiss and Andrew Tenio. What's up, fellas? Man, uh, it's it's the big week, so uh, it's finally here. It, it's kind of crazy to me that it's week 10 because I feel like we just started, but uh, maybe that's just me. Yeah, it, the season has gone by really fast, and here we are. It's it's the biggest game in town of the year. Anum Consolidated, they're hosting College Station this week. Going to be breaking down everything between the Tigers and Cougars. We'll have Scott Clendenin and Tap Bentz on the show here in a few. Give us a little insight onto each side. This is gonna be well. This you, you haven't you haven't been around for this one, have you? No, I've not. But the weird thing is, I've been around both teams the past two weeks in some form or fashion. I was at C Stats game two weeks ago, and I was at Consoles last week, so I have a a pretty decent idea of where these two teams' directions are heading into Friday's contest. So you know, it's not the only game in town. Yeah. Brian mm-hmm. and Rudder they're fighting for playoff spots. We'll mm-hmm. talk about them too, and yeah. it happened. It happened. Franklin lost mm-hmm. a football game. How will the Lions respond? We'll get into that here in a bit. But hey, let's jump right into the action, fellas. Let's talk about that game Friday night at Tigerland Stadium. There's a lot of co- there's a lot of implications here. Okay, College Station they can wrap up a district title with a win. Consol can make it a three way tie for first. College Station's blowout of Georgetown though. I, I would think it probably locks down the number one seed, even if they, if they yeah. lose, though. Because it, it gets down yeah. to the point differential, which we had to yeah. do some math on last year. Uh, Coach Pryor trying to score at the end <laughs> of the game to go ahead by 14. But the reality for Consol is winning this game Friday night, that's the only way they can move up a seed line. Because if they lose and they finish in a tie with Georgetown, Georgetown, of course, has the head-to-head win. Yeah, they'd be third. Yeah. So lots at stake. You you don't necessarily want to be that number three team uh, out, of, out of the playoffs. Jake, I'm going to start with you. What do you see as the biggest keys of the game in this one? All right, so uh, I've been thinking a lot about this, actually. Since you came up with this question, I know it's only a little inside baseball. <laughs> We're filming on a Tuesday, but you you handed me this piece of paper on Monday, and I, that was the first thing I said to you was, ooh, biggest key. Like I've been thinking about it ever since. Uh, and what would you come up with? Yeah, I think I came up with a pretty good answer. Uh, we'll see, though. So uh, obviously, you know, it's kind of the uh, you know immovable object versus the unstoppable force. Uh, Consoles defense, College Station's offense. That's probably gonna be the biggest one. But uh, really, for me, I think so. Kind of those kind of guided my answer here. Uh, for Consol, I think the biggest key for them don't have to run the triple option, but I think you really want to have long, sustainable drives on offense. Uh, you want to try to keep and, and kind of twofold there. You want to keep College Station's offense off the field. We know they can put up points, but also you want to give your defense a break because they've got a tall task going up against that offense. And then for College Station, um, I've, I've kind of thought about this. It's weird. Remember a couple of weeks ago when Madisonville played Columbus? Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the things that kind of stuck out to me there was talking with uh, Coach uh, Urbanke was kind of like, hey, we're going to have to take what they give us. And I kind of think for College Station, especially on offense, that's going to be the biggest key this week is, you know, we've talked about – Andrew, you asked last week, you know, hey, what have you guys seen from Consol's def- defense? You know, uh, they blitz real well. They, you know, they take advantage of takeaways, turnovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, heck – 
to me, I don't know about you guys, it seems like Consoles had, what, a turnover? At least one or two every game this season. Yeah, they make it happen. Yep. Yeah, they, they Very opportunistic. Uh, so I think for College Station on the offensive side of the ball, the biggest key for them is kind of taking what they can get. You know, uh, they've been, you know, a lot of home run balls, a mm-hmm. lot of big plays this year. I think this, this week you might not get that. So I think you've really got to be patient. Maybe pick up five yards at a time. That's not as bad. Might not get, you know, 41-yard bombs, but uh, maybe five, three, four yards. Uh, if you can just kind of move the ball, be patient, I think that's the biggest key for them. Hmm. You know, Andrew, you were at Consol's game last week. The offense has started to started to turn the wheels a little bit. That, that was a question mark we yeah. had a lot throughout the first month of the season for hmm. them. You know, what did maybe Coach Schmidt or some of their players have to say about some of the consistency that they're starting to find on that side of the ball? I think it all starts up front. I think it's been the offensive line's progression over the past three weeks. It's gotten the quarterbacks comfortable. It's gotten the receivers comfortable knowing that their quarterbacks have more than a couple seconds to throw the ball. Uh, gives the running backs confidence with the running lanes opening up. Um, I think one of the biggest tests now for the Tigers is some health problem that they have because Peyton Bjork did not play last week, and Trey T- Taylor got hurt in the second quarter. Um, the running back room is already kind of thin within itself with Cameron Vines. I don't know if he's going to play or not. Uh, so Dakota Johnson may have stepped up in a big way. Uh, receivers may make some big make some big plays, but the confidence of knowing your O line can can create those holes for not only the running backs but the quarterbacks to make plays. Hargett had three rushing touchdowns last week. Um, I think those are going to be huge keys into knowing this. You can't turn this game into a track meet, but you need to have, like Jake said, long, sustainable drives. And I have a lot more confidence in console doing that now than I probably did a month ago. Could we see the return of? Keyshawn Thomas to running back. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, he, he can play both ways. Yep. He, he can play slot receiver and running back. I mean, he he is he is he is a powder keg waiting yeah. waiting to be ignited. So they they're gonna have to find a way to get him the ball this week, without a doubt. He is a playmaker mm-hmm. on that side of the ball for the Tigers. Jake, you and I are gonna be there Friday night. Looking yep. forward to it. It's probably gonna be a sold out crowd. Yeah, um, I was it's gonna, gonna be a say, rowdy bunch. I'll be going over there today. I'm gonna be asking around, uh, you know, be like, "Hey, what, what are we looking like on tickets?" I, I kind of want to know <laughs> if it's sold out yet because I think uh, general admission doesn't go on sale till Wednesday. Is that yeah? Right? I think it's yeah, it's Wednesday. Yeah, so uh, which is a good thing. You you want to get the parents and and the people that are most yeah, affiliated with the game a chance to get tickets first, so they can go and watch their kids, but. You got to think there might be a line uh, lined up outside the field houses uh, at each school tomorrow. Yeah, I do not uh, envy the uh, ticket the ticket uh, people for uh, having to deal with that tomorrow. Because uh, I'll be heck, I'm curious. Uh, you know, I know we've seen at uh, Kyle Field, you know, the camps campsites. Camp uh, don't know if we'll get that, but I am <laughs> like there's a problem that's like oh, I wonder if anyone will you know. Get you know, up. if any students after school will just come go by over yeah, the stadium like, and I'm just sit there curious, and wait for like, it. Oh, you know, <laughs> maybe. You could. Like, I'll, I'll be looking around today, like see if there's any tents or anything like that <laughs> set up. You know, maybe some s'mores out. Let us let us know what you find out. Well, hey, we got Scott Clendenin and Tap Bents up next. Here it's what they had to say about this week's. Y'all joined now by Tap Bentz and Scott Clendenin. They're going to be on the call for Friday's game between AM Consolidated and College Station over at Tigerland Stadium. Guys, thanks so much for uh, coming in and giving us a little insight onto each side of the game this week. 
Appreciate I'm, you having us. Yeah, I'm excited. I think this is, uh, you know, the game the community circles, and it's great to have it back on the schedule for both teams. That's more important than really anything. You know, how many years was it? This is the second year we're back. It was four. Four years that we didn't play. Yeah, and, I, and, and that was four long years. Yeah. I still wish, and, and again, I don't mean to go off topic too much, I wish we could figure out the Bryan schools so all four of us could be in one district and just not have to travel two hours every game. No, I, that, that would definitely be yeah. a plus because, uh, you know, realignment coming up next year, we have no idea where we'll end in up. about three months, huh? Yeah. Well, hey, I mean, if, if College Station keeps growing, uh, if Bryan stayed at 6A, they could the three could be together again one day, but I don't think that's coming this next go-around. Not this go round, but you're right. I think it could be in in probably two or three realignments. Yeah, I think it's it's on the horizon. I think that's one of the reasons why I vote all four. As I give a little plug for our local election, please vote yes for all four amendments. <laughs> it is uh, about the future and and those both schools being at the six A attendance yeah. and athletic level. Well, and, and right, you know, and again, I know you and I are kind of biased on the athletic side of it because we go visit other facilities and and press boxes and realize that and y'all's is a lot more updated than ours at at consol but consol's needs a little help well hey you can read all about (laughs) all those things at the eagle.com because i wrote about it last week in saturday's paper hey there's a big game friday night though uh college station's trying to clinch a district title consol is trying to stay in the district championship hunt uh i want to start with consol because the Tigers, as much as they were trying to just figure things out the first month of the season, they've really got it rolling. I know they have not maybe played the best teams in the district, but you can't deny the fact that Consol has really had some convincing wins the last three weeks. They have. And, you know, again, I think if you looked at the schedule ahead of time, you probably would have put it penciled in a W for these last three games. But the way they've won these games has been pretty impressive and again it's uh, they're still trying to figure out some things offensively you know rotating the quarterbacks in a little bit and back but that defense has just been so consistent throughout this season you know what is it about that defense that has really just stood out to you uh, as the year has gone on tap well you know and again I guess what stood out is just the the difference than it was over the last six years where they played that 4-3 kind of read and react defense and and just you know go off of that this is a defense that's going to make you make a decision they're going to be aggressive they're going to come after you and that just the aggressiveness and physicality that they brought and and the speed I mean they're two defensive ends I think were wide receivers last year for for Consol so they have tremendous speed I mean Trace Meadows was our you know the starting safety now he's a starting linebacker so they have incredible speed you know that's on that from those 11 on defense well and and that's what stood out to me because I mean last year's console front seven was was really strong and talented that was definitely the strength of their defense but they lost everyone almost uh when you go on the defensive line they lost Brock Sladen at linebacker coming into the year I was like what what's console gonna look like and then you go out to a scrimmage against Brian you're like okay maybe they got some guys (laughs) that they're gonna be able to do this and uh, Michael Clark and Genesis Radcliffe, they, they've been pretty solid this year. They really have. And, you know, some of the things that they've done, you know, Mike Mike was, was you know, on the team last year. Genesis was on JV last year. And, you know, that was one of the things when the season started. I looked and I go, okay, they have 34 seniors. 
but only seven of them actually had varsity experience. You know, this was a very JV heavy team that's playing on this varsity level this year. And so it's just been teams learning and growing, the coaches figuring out what they could do. But again, I think that's with the mentality of being aggressive, coming after the offense has made it simpler for this team. And sometimes, you know, kids at 17, 18, it's easier. Hey, just go get the guy with the ball as opposed to sit here, make this read, do all these other things. Well, Consol, their defense might have their best test yet because they're going to have to play College Station's offense that nobody's really been able to slow down. They put up 63 on Georgetown. I, I picked College Station to win. I don't know if I would have picked them to win by 42, though. To me, Scott, Arrington Maiden's growth this season has just been it's, been, it's been pretty exceptional. We wrote about him last week in a feature. What have you seen from this College Station offense that has really allowed them to be just so consistent throughout the year? Well, consistency, I think, goes to, back to health. They've been relatively healthy. Uh, Clayton Brode is the only offensive lineman who was an underclassman that moved in because of injury, got him his starting job, and he's come out because of injury. But they've been relatively uh, healthy across the board in the offensive front which always gives you a chance to have a good offense. And then Maiden and the uh, receiving core have a lot of familiarity between them. And then uh, uh, Aiden Martinez-Brown, he's back from the injury that he sur- suffered against Lucas Lovejoy. But in the meantime, Wilson Staff and, and uh, Cashin were able to give them something offensively. This av- they're averaging 515 yards a game offense, 56 points a game. Even in their loss, they scored 37. And I went back and looked. Uh, Arrington Maiden has played three snaps in the fourth quarter this year. And those were the last three snaps of a scoring drive that he had against Lucas Lovejoy in the first game of the year. Everything else has been, uh, you know, out in the third uh, third quarter. And then Cade Cor- Corcoran has come in and been a very good backup quarterback. He's completing 77% of his passes. And, they're, and they've been really basic because they're not trying to run up the score on some of these teams, but it's been very, very efficient. That overshadows the uh, Cougar defense, which is you know really good, which has not played a lot of fourth-quarter football as well. Some team, and I thought it might have been Georgetown last week, is going to make these guys play in the fourth quarter. That's going to be where the test is. If, are you going to put pressure on the Cougars so they have to play a fourth-quarter football game? Lucas Lovejoy is the only team that's done it. Since then, the Cougars have gotten a lot better, and I think that's why this matchup is so intriguing to me, the offense versus the defense. You know, how deep will Consolidated run if the Cougars get it going? And then what will the Cougars' defense do against Consolidated, whose offense is starting to find its legs and doing that through the ground, which not very many teams have been able to run at the Cougars this year either. And it's interesting you you talked about the fourth quarter because really the two losses that Consol has, Lufkin and, and Georgetown, the offense wasn't upholding their end of the bargain. I mean, they were three and out, three and out, three and out. So that defense was on the field so much that by the fourth quarter, especially against Lufkin, they had nothing left. And Lufkin's size was able just to wear them down. And that's because they, you know, consolidated, went in halftime winning that ball game. So, yeah. you know, it, it's just – but now that the offense is clicking a little bit. And, and you got to give the coaches credit for that because Will, Will Hargett was struggling a little bit. And I don't know if it was just the pressure he felt. Maybe it was the new offense. But they kind of – 
took him out, put in Tyler. Tyler, uh, like, why am I polling? polling? God, I can't <laughs> believe Tyler. Sorry about that. But you know, Tyler polling and who's done a a, a good steady job. He's you know you, you may not win a game because of Tyler, but you're never going to lose the game because of Tyler. And, and so you know, but he also made Will kind of sit back, take a deep breath, and the word that I've used and, and Coach Schmitz kind of shook my, his head when I've said it is Will has looked relaxed over these last few weeks instead of press, pressing like he did earlier this season. You know, going back to that College Station offense, Peyton Cashin has kind of just been one of the guys that they've gone to. What have you seen from that receiving core in particular, kind of led by him and a guy like Jake Pivotow? Well, and I, and I think that Jackson Verdugo gets a lot of attention, but he's also a guy that's that's been in line tight end at times and then go out and play your wide, wide receiver. So you have a lot of versatility. That's one of the things about this team. They can have Stapp, Brown, uh, Peyton Cashin, Verdugo, and Pivido all on the field at the same time and be in running sets or being passing sets. So they've had, uh, you know, flexibility with the same personnel grouping. And I think that's been something that is that is really, uh, you know, benefited from uh, the ability of Arrington Maiden to, you know, check out a bad place. Know when the coaches anticipate when the coaches see something defensively. Maybe now that I'm a senior, I'm going to catch on and see that, hey, you're going to check to something I'm expecting. And then he's been efficient throwing the football and mixing it up to everybody. And I think that that versatility, especially with the ability of Stapp and Martinez-Brown to catch a football out of the backfield, gives them threats. They're averaging 320 yards a game in, in passing. And it's all of those guys contributing. There isn't one guy with a thousand yards that you're going to key on. It's the group in total that you have to watch five, six, seven guys that are coming in and out. Fresh legs uh, certainly leads to explosive offense. You know, you made a good point about the different formations, but using the same personnel groups. And, and you know, Consal really hasn't had that opportunity more because of injuries. And, you know, but I still think the person, and, and you mentioned, you know, Vertigo, but, uh, you know, Colton Schmeller, very similar. H-back, tight end, wide, well, split him out. Besides kick a 58-yard field goal if needed. You know, kid's got an incredible leg. Made some phenomenal catches last week in, in the ball game. But the person I, I hope they can get the ball to the most, I, I feel like still the most dynamic with the ball, is Keyshawn Thomas. You know, and Keyshawn, they moved from running back out to split, you know, to, to the slot receiver to try to keep him healthier. And then, unfortunately, first game gets banged up. And I've been told and maybe not heard, I don't know, that they haven't really featured him so much trying to rest him up, you know, and make sure that he was healthy going into this ball game. But anytime Keyshawn touches the ball, it, it could it could go the whole way, and, and he's just dynamic. But Trey Taylor came back off of, off of a I, I think a three game uh, hiatus and, and was fresh and really hitting the holes real well. But then in the meantime, they've also found Dakota Johnson as their backup. <laughs> yeah. You know, ninety six yard run, two hundred seventy five yards, and this is a kid that hadn't played football in two years. Yeah, I was just gonna say, you know, I've only gotten to watch Kinsall once this season, and that was the game that Dakota just he went off. And, I mean, he, he had himself a night. I mean, one of the leads in my story was that Trey Taylor had a really good night. He almost rushed for 200 yards. And then it was the Dakota Johnson show in the second half. It, it was Dakota, but also give that offensive line yes. a lot of credit. So, you know, I think both teams, schools knew coming back, 
that, that skill positions were set. You know, they yeah. had skill. It was the up the front five that they were concerned with. You know, and then here comes Coach Schmidt coming in with a whole new philosophy, whole new you know scheme, just new terminology. Because I'm still convinced every team runs the exact same play, plays. They just call it different different names and things. But these kids had to learn it. And then most of those kids hadn't even been on the varsity. Not not varsity experience. Were on JV last year. So getting used to that. And so they had to learn how to do it. And that offensive line is his improved so and Dakota is really much more of a straight ahead runner and, and to show his speed he was very successful in track and, and so I think with the what the line's capable of doing that that fits his system and he's able to go four ahead and he understands if I get four I get four I get four that's 12 yards it's a first down then all of a sudden he breaks off 96 you know so it, it's just he doesn't real feel like he has to get a home run every time up, up, up that he touches the football you know that week I was there uh, coach Schmidt said their word of the week was growth. And before the game, had one of the assistants put up all the ways that he had seen, they had seen the Tigers grow throughout the season. College Station is 5-0 and against Consol. Consol is not the favorite going into this game. What do you see as the keys to this game for Consol to be able to win and grow and get over that hump to, to, to get there? You know, the first thing I'd love to say is for both schools, stay off social media. Of course, that's not happening. So, you know, I don't, I don't know what's, what's, what's being said this year, but that's somewhat. And so, again, just play the football game. Consol, one of their my fears is sometimes, especially that defense being aggressive, gets caught up in the extracurricular, extra peripheral, and then all of a sudden they get themselves in trouble. Had a lot of penalties early on, you know, and, and so take that aggressiveness, keep it, but play it, do it within the ball game. Uh, you know, I think the defense needs to just continue to show up. And, and if they get behind, which is, a, you know, they may, you can't, you can't put your head down. What was the score last last year? 21 nothing Consol at the end of the first quarter, yep. halftime. You know, and, and so who would have thought that, you know, College Station, but College Station, give them all the credit, came back, made the game much more physical. And, and I don't think, you know, Consol answered that bell. You know, it, as I always said, if you punched him in the mouth, they may not have always punched back. Well, this year I think they're going to punch back, and I don't mean that literally. Well, and I think that uh, in the postgame uh, huddle after the game uh, this last week in the victory over Georgetown, uh, Stoney Pryor said, don't write a check with your talk this week that someone else has to cash. So I think that they were focused on that too. Uh, this is a huge game. It's a huge game, even if, if the records were the reverse. If one was 1-5 and five and the other one was 0-6. This community is excited for it. These players are excited for it. But I think that the way College Station is taking care of their business, they want to keep it on an even keel. Okay, they want, to, they want to approach it like they did Georgetown, you know, who they lost in the regular season and beat in the playoffs last year. Cedar Park, the better teams in this league, they, they know that they're getting everybody's best shot, but they've had an even kill. They've stayed away from the, the silly penalties, and they've let their offense work because they've been able to keep a clean pocket around Maiden. I think that's the key. It's going to be that defensive front trying to get through the uh, Cougar offensive, uh, offensive front. And then I'm interested to see, uh, not just for this week, but in the weeks to come, how the Cougars' defensive front – goes against these bigger offensive lines because I think that's the key. They've got a couple guys that are short in stature but really bulky that, that get by on quicks. And as, as this season goes along, who's going to be the team that imposes their will offensive line-wise to keep the Cougars off the field because we're making your defense stay on the field for those long, sustained drives against them. Georgetown did it once last week in the second half. 
and it had really been since Lovejoy that anybody had a 10, 12 play drive against the Cougars. You know, I was I was scoreboard watching a lot the last you know couple of weeks, and and I thought Cedar Park and College Station was going to be an incredible game, and I'm just watching. Wow, you know, that's all I could say. And then even last week, you know, and and I still think where the Tigers are now, if they replayed Georgetown, I think there'd be a different outcome. I mean, they had five turnovers, fifteen penalties, not not their best game, but they're not the same team. You know, a short time later, so I think it's going to be a great game. And I, I, what Scott said about the records—I mean, go back historically. How many times in the Brian Consol Crosstown Showdown did the team that was never supposed to win ended up win that game? Exactly. You've got to control the emotions when you're, you know, 13 to 18 years old, and and that's a hard thing to do and a tough lesson. But I think that uh, one of the, th- the things about the Cougars and the and the runs they've made to state the last two years is. Uh, they played a lot of games. They know they're going to get a lot of people's best shot. And I think that's that growth for all those guys that were on the JV that didn't get a, a chance, you know, to play a lot of football at AM Consolidated. Those guys have practiced a lot of playoff football, practiced a lot of, you know, scout against the Cougars to get them ready. And I think that some of those guys that have percolated up through the uh, ranks this year have shown that they have some, some uh, you know, it wasn't necessarily game knowledge. But they had some Cougar football knowledge, and that's really helped them. And, and I think that's an advantage. But they, they've been in that system now. You know, yeah, two, it didn't three, change with Stony yeah, Park. Two, three, four years. You know, or, or if not, going down to seventh grade for some of them. I yeah. know when my son Cole was at AMCMS, he ran the varsity offense in seventh grade. So when he became, went to high school, it was the same exact offense. You know, but you had that direct line. It wasn't with the three middle schools trying yes. to figure out and everything else like that. But some of these kids, you know, have been in the CS, the, you know, the College Station High School program and their system for many years it's going to be a game friday night uh it's probably going to be pretty if it's not sold out it's going to be pretty darn full uh you know what 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 do you guys uh hope to see just from the crowd maybe on friday night well last year i remember it was just a fantastic environment you know if you when you walked into college station you almost felt like you were at a, a college atmosphere i mean people were already lined up at the gates i mean and I'm, i get to the game at five o'clock usually to make sure i get everything set up because technology and me aren't always the best friends and and i mean people were already lined up and and just the you know the tailgating going on and, and all that so it, it's going to be fun and, and you know you looked across at the college station and consoles side was full and i'm not sure if our visiting side is as is as big as college stations you yeah, know I, so i think it's, it's, a, it's standing room only and i haven't heard if they're moving the band and putting them on the field and so they can have those end zone stands or not. I haven't heard any of that yet. Well, I, I know that uh, the two games that have been played at Tigerland, both of them have had a, a high atmosphere. Uh, uh, my son John was, you know, was in the stands for both of those games and, and talked about how exciting it was, how they wanted to be a part of the game and, and really bring some noise. So I think that both teams are going to get points in, in the game and positions in the game where even the, the opposing team is going to have some effect. I think that's one of the good things about the, the closeness of high school football is when you get a full house on the visitor side, they can make some noise and, and interrupt some things even for the home team. So I think it's going to be great. It's going to, it's going to be uh, the exciting game that, that everybody wants it to be. And it's probably just going to be another one of those you know games that we look back four or five years from now and go, yep, this one can tar- carried on that, that intensity – and those, uh, you know, the, the fight between these two teams have good football teams. Now, and, and I don't know if we're headed there. So, Scott, I, let's just say 
because last year we all ended up in a three-way tie. Comes down to the points, right? Yes. So Stony Pryor took some grief from people at the end of the game, and I was on the console radio trying to explain to people he was not trying to run up the score. He had to beat <laughs> console by 14 points to get the number one seed. Yes. You know, because I had people texting me during the game. <laughs> Why are they doing this? Why are they trying to run yeah. up the score? They've got the game won, and and so it could possibly say console does have the upset. I don't know what the district cap is, but, you know, there's still a possibility that we end up in a three-way tie because, you know, if, if you're Consol, the last thing you want to do is end up tied with Georgetown because then it goes back to head-to-head, and now we're the third-place team. And, and we're in that position last year till there were upsets at the end of the year and didn't really think that you were going to see that happen. So, yeah, everything matters. Um, you know, the, the plus minus is for the coaches to worry about. No, but no, that, what else yeah. do we have to talk about? Exactly. Alex needs a job. Well, and, and I think that – I think that I made these a C in college math. Okay? Yeah, I think these <laughs> don't teams, make me do more math. Yeah, I think these teams, uh, you know, are in a position where they've made a run to get to the top of the district standings uh, in a good district. I mean, I, I know that some of those scores are lopsided for both uh, the you know the Tigers the last three weeks and and you know some of these games for the Cougars. I think that this is going to be a game where those scores are down a little bit because both teams are going to play some defense. It's going to be hard-hitting on Friday night. I'm not trying to take over your job, but no. I got a question. Sorry. So two years ago, Consol makes the state championship, right? Kind of expected. That Jet Hut yes. group and yes. all that. Last year, state finals. Certainly didn't. I don't think anybody really expected them to go that deep. Maybe you did. I'm not sure. But where do you think this team is last year compared to that team? I think this team is better offensively because Arrington Maiden is better. They're better right. at quarterback this year than they were last year. Uh, their defensive front isn't as big as it was last year, uh, so they're getting by on some quicks. And, uh, you know, if you run into the wrong team, that can certainly, um, you know, frustrate you. But I also think that all the kids that were there two years ago uh, against Peyto where they were an inch away from winning a state title – and the bad taste in their mouth after playing Alito last year, they're carrying that with them. And they are striving each and every week because if they are the district champion, the path will be different. They'll play, they could play one familiar team, but the path would be different because they'd be on the other side of the bracket. Right. Those teams have changed. I think that it's exciting for them, but these kids have a focus to try to make three in a row. And uh, that path could be uh, pretty challenging potentially if uh, they had to play Fulcher and Smithson. Well, I, I just think I just think that you know Magnolia's got a D one running back going to Utah that uh, you know some people are saying is look the Aggies are looking at maybe to try to flip him to be a linebacker. There's this Region three is always what it is. Region two was the same way the the previous two years, but always when you're when the the Cougars are in, in the Region two or Region three. There's going to be some tough football to play in district and then in the playoffs. It's just a tough region because go back to baseball last year. You had basically, you know, oh the gosh. two of the three of the top teams in the state. Yeah. The state champion came out of that, but then they had to, you know, you any yes. one of those three teams could have made a deep run, and, and can, somehow College Station doesn't even make it, and they they were probably one of the, the top teams in that district. So it, it's a tough region, but. You know, you got to win games, and every coach that I've coached with, and, and I was fortunate enough, you know, and back in my high school career to win a couple, there's luck that gets involved sometimes. But, you know, you talked about um, Kate Corcoran a little bit and, and how well Arrington's playing. But, you know, remember last year, he was being brought in at crunch times because Arrington wasn't no, he performing wasn't healthy. at that yeah, time. and he wasn't you know. healthy. And that's, right. that's why I think the difference is this year is Arrington has been healthy the whole time. And, you know, when you go from him completing almost 68% of his passes and Corcoran being in the mid-70s, 
they've been really efficient, and the offense doesn't change for change for either of them, and that's an experience factor that that really has. Uh, you know, let this offense be good even when Maiden hadn't played in the fourth quarter. And so I think you have both schools are comfortable with their quarterback situation at this point, which you can't always say as far as depth. You've got both schools have played both their quarterbacks in big-time situations. Yeah, I agree 100%. They're winning football games with the quarterbacks uh, that, that have had to play, and I think that that's, that's a uh, comfort level for coaches that a lot of teams around the state don't have. Well, I think we could talk about this game all afternoon. I don't know about you guys, but y'all are going to get to call the game Friday night. For those who may not be able to go or just want to sit in the stands and, and hear a little commentary, you know, where, where, where can they hear the game on Friday night? Tap. We're going to be on uh, 1620 WTAW, the mothership, as I like to call it, you know, for Brian Broadcasting and what a great job they do. But, you know, we're, we're fortunate to be on that same one. People still text me. I go the same one we've been on for about 20 years now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll take the country music off Maverick 100.7 for about three and a half hours and have a lot of high school football. So uh, it, it, it'll be, it's exciting, and, and I think the community really benefits from the job that, that you know, that we get to do because of the the way the coaches and the players really make it easy. For Old them. school, what they would switch at halftime, right? One of the announcers would go to the other, but that yeah, was we have, nev- we have never no, done and that. we're never going to do that. No, by the way, <laughs> man, that uh, that would be an interesting plot twist. We'll see if there's any uh, trickeration in the press box on Friday night, but uh, oh, they're having to sit outside. I've already filled up that. <laughs> okay. It won't be, it won't be, you know, I've sat outside before. Yeah, me too. You'll yeah. be on the other side too where the noise is better. <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, thanks to these guys for coming in and giving us a little insight into Friday's big showdown. Coming up next, we got, there, there are other games in the Brazos Valley this week, believe it or not. We got all that preview coming up here in our final segment. Hey, big thanks to Scott and Tap for breaking down Cougars Tigers. Definitely going to be a good one. There's still other games to play though. Let's not, let's not forget that fact. The Bryan schools, these are these are big ones for them, yeah. right? You got you got to win if you want to keep those playoff hopes alive. Uh, let's start with Bryan, okay? They got they got kind of rolled up by Midway last week, lost by four scores, and now they're in a tie for fourth with Hutto. And coincidentally, they're playing each other this <laughs> week, yep. so yep. it's pretty much a playoff game, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Andrew. You're going to be at this one. Give us a little insight onto onto this matchup. I've been to Brian practices the past couple weeks. I feel like the the vibe has been going up a little bit more, uh, especially this past week that our came actually went by today. Um, I think the last time I went, I covered a game was the Cove game, which was obviously mm. tons of points, tons of offense. The past couple weeks, the the competitions ramped up in ways, and so the uh, the success has not been quite as high the last three weeks, I guess, since I've been. Uh, but this is a big chance with Hutto, and we know Hutto likes to score, and they score a lot. Yeah, uh, quarterback Will Hammond Tech commit has a bajillion yards. He was a part of that like eighty to seventy game earlier this year. One that was the Hutto game, right? The opener. Yeah, yeah. So they they love to score points. I have a feeling it's going to be a track meet. So I mean, can Brian keep up? That's that that's the big question for me because I feel like Hutto's can can give up quite a bit of points too. Don't get me wrong, uh, but they like to score a lot as well. Yeah, Hammond's got three thousand passing yards. He's also got seven hundred rushing yards. Yeah, he's got over oh. forty do touchdowns. He can do everything. Alex Green's his go-to wide receiver. He's already got fifteen hundred receiving yards and fifteen touchdowns. Jeez. A small, so. nu- a small nugget that I, I guess 
It's, it's kind of cool to me when I looked at it. Alex Green has six offers from Ivy League schools. Oh, so he is wow. killing it on and off the field. I just wanted to get a quick <laughs> shout out when I saw that. I'm like, Go six Mr. Ivy Green. League. So, yeah. Go, Mr. Green. Well, hey, was there anything that uh, maybe Coach Tullis uh, said to you that kind of stuck out from, from your conversation with him? Uh, I wasn't able to speak to him today, oh, okay. but I feel like uh, I got a lot of what they were trying to implement, especially on the defensive side and different twists and roots to, or twists and stunts to be able to create pressure. I talked to the D-line coach, and he mentioned some some new technique packages that, that they're trying to use. Um, and then offensively, you know, they were uh, spreading it around, so. Well, hey, Redder also in must-win mode, right? The Rangers, they, they've got to win their last two games. Yeah, they've got to win like, Not this just point. this week. They've got to win next week, too, and they probably actually need a little bit of help uh, to go with it. This week, though, it's uh, Richmond Randall, which got the best of Redder last year in a pretty lopsided win. Randall's going to be a tough team to beat, right? They're 7-1. They're their lone loss is to Lake Creek. Hey, Landon Callis Williams yeah, going to be a, freshman, a name right? to remember. He's a freshman with over a hundred, excuse me, a thousand yards, twelve touchdowns. He's already got offers from several schools, including A and M and Georgia. Yeah. So he's mm. doing all right in that department. Yeah. And they got a sophomore quarterback, Tyler Skrabonic, with like fifteen hundred yards and twenty-two touchdowns. Jake, you know what's it going to take for for the Rangers to try and pull off uh, an upset this week against Randall? That's a pretty heavy favorite. Man, well, I think the biggest thing for me, and I, I didn't, I wasn't at the game, but you know, we got to see Luke White, uh, one of our Eagle uh, stringer freelance writers. Uh, he was at the game, and I read his story afterwards. And I think the biggest positive sign for me, at least for Rudder, was they kind of fix, seemed to fix the offensive issues a little bit. They put up twenty five uh, points, excuse me, twenty four points against uh, Brenham last week. That's a positive sign. Uh, I think if they can kind of keep keep that offense momentum going, you know, uh, I know the defense kind of, a you know, but we know how talented Jacoby Dixon is. You know, I think mm-hmm. he had over Another name yards. to remember. Yeah, another, yep. uh, Brenham, the Brenham <laughs> freshman running back. Uh, I know he had a big game, but I think if Rudder can kind of, you know, they, they had the offense kind of figured out, it seemed like last week with the 24 points, uh, especially coming off, I think, the week before that, it was two games in a row where they just put up three points mm-hmm. in Huntsville yeah. and uh, Lake Creek. Lake Creek. Um, so they seem to get the offense figured out. I think if they can get that defense back on track, they should be able to hang with Randall. I mean, because like you said, they know they've got to win. So I think this is going to be a week where they go into practice, they hit it hard. If both sides of the ball can kind of match the play we saw a little earlier in the year, like against Lamar Consolidated, I think they've got a shot. It's not going to be easy, of course, especially on the road. But, uh, or no, excuse me, they're at home this week because uh, Brian's on the road. Um, so, yeah, they'll be at home. That'll be a bonus. But, yeah, they can get both sides of the ball to kind of be on the same level. They got a shot. Hey, I need you to go and count how many hippo statues are in Hutto, okay? <laughs> I can do that. I can do that. No, going, going back to the Rudder game, and you mentioned the Brian game almost feels like a playoff game. This kind of feels like Rudder's own playoff game, right? Because the week after this, they have Montgomery, which – should should be a win. It should be a win. Um, but this upcoming this game on Friday, this is basically if you lose, you're done. And if you win, you've got a very good chance of sliding in. So yeah. Well, hey, one of the big news deals from last Friday was Franklin's 39 game win streak was snapped by Lorena. Uh, I was out there, got to witness the upset firsthand. The Lions fell to number eight in the 3A Division One poll. They got Cameron Yo this week. Yo coming off that kind of lopsided loss yeah. to Rockdale in the Battle mm-hmm. of the Bell. Yep. I thought that was going to be a lot closer, by the way. Um, I actually picked Cameron to win. We all Shows, did. I think. Did we really? Did you pick Cameron to win? 
I swear I picked Rockdale, but I'm, you, I'm not 100% hey, sure. You. I'm not 100% yeah. sure. I had a bad week. Jake and I picked uh, Cameron. Jake, you slipped a couple spots in the uh, the, the yeah. pick. Yeah. Well, I mean. You, I didn't go. Well, it's hard to follow up with 25 and 0. That is very true. Yeah. Like, I said, uh, from the beginning, I said, you know, broken clock right twice a day, folks. <laughs> like, I don't, you know. It wasn't right again. Well, you know, I'm definitely curious to see how the Lions will respond this week. You know, they beat Cameron Yo like 63-7 to seven last yeah. year. Mm-hmm. If they went and did that again, I would not necessarily be surprised. Um, Coach Fanon was pretty fired up with his team after the game, and he basically said, look, you got two options. You can either, you know, slouch and feel sorry for yourself, or you can bow up your neck and, and go and, go and get, get it fixed and get it done. And, you know, kind of knowing how Franklin operates and plays, I tend to lean toward they're probably going to bow their necks. Yeah. But uh, that's that's got to be hard for them to, you know, they, they're they just so accustomed to winning. You know, losing is just so unnatural over there right now. So, I mean, heck, in a weird way, uh, I don't know. There's a part of me that's kind of like maybe this was a good thing, you know, kind of, you know, maybe the pressure of the streak, uh, you know, I mean, as it starts getting higher and higher, you probably feel a lot more outside pressure. Now they're just kind of just – I mean, now they just can go back to just, okay, let's start a new one. Uh, you know, I asked him about that. I was like, you know, do you, does this relieve any sort of maybe unspoken pressure? And he was like, no, like, oh. we never talked about it. And, I mean, I don't know. It could just be coach speak. It could just be I, – I, Coach Fannin's a pretty honest dude. Yeah. So I kind of just take him at his word there. But, yeah, I mean, and this is going to sound crazy, but, like, I'm pretty sure their, their playoff road might – be easier now because of where they might land on the, what side of the bracket. Yeah, I, I haven't looked at it yet, but if they had won that game, they were going to win the district, and they were probably going to have to play Columbus like in the third round, Ooh. maybe not mm. the fourth. Ooh. And so, I mean, playoff games are playoff games, but there's a difference between playing just another playoff team and playing the number now number one team in three A, who you know they had to rally and beat last year to make it to the state semifinals. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, wow, I hadn't thought about that in round three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so, early. I mean, we'll have to see how it all shakes out, of course. But, uh, you know, it could it could work out okay for Franklin. They de- Here's the deal. They've definitely got the team and the talent and the experience to make another run. This one loss does not derail their entire season. Yeah, no, not at all. So... Well, hey, let's talk about three games to watch. Let's start with Madisonville. They're at Waco Connolly this week. This is pretty much a de facto district championship game in uh, 11-4A-1. What's up with District 11 in, in our areas? We got we got the 5A-11, 4A-11, and 3A-11 that are yep. all just kind of bonkers. So, yep. But, hey, Connolly gave it to the Mustangs last year. They won 61-14. Cadets are pretty stacked, right? They got Kobe Black, five-star, two-way player. Kiefer Sibley, he's got 1,600 yards, 21 touchdowns. I'm kind of looking forward to uh, hearing about how uh, the Lorenzo Johnson versus Kobe Black matchup went. You know, last week I saw Devin Hidrago against Jaden Porter, who's committed to Baylor. Mm. That was a fun matchup. You got five-star versus Tech commit. Um, definitely curious to see if uh, Ty Williams can get it to their stud playmaker a few times. Yeah, he did last week. Uh, yeah, he did. Six catches, 155 yards, and one touchdown. So uh, 
pretty good recipe for success there in Gatesville. And I was there for the first half of this year. I covered a little bit of stuff in the Waco area, and Sibley is his numbers duplicate what he looks like on the field. He is he's a stud on a team that obviously has Kobe Black. That's that's the that's the main headliner, but uh, Sibley cannot go unnoticed. I, I saw Madisonville was favored by three, and honestly, I was a little surprised when I mm. when I saw that at first because I mean. Connolly has what? Do they have two losses? They have three. three. They have three. But they they but played some tough teams. They I played think. some good. T- like yeah. they lost to Brownwood. They lost to. Uh, did they lose to La Vega? I think they lost to La Vega by three. They yeah. lost to La Vega and they lost to somebody else that was pretty good too. Yeah. So I mean, it's not like record aside. Like it's not necessarily uh, indicative of the team that they are. Right. So, um, up next, Brenham at Huntsville. Okay, mm. Burnham, of course, they got the big win over yeah. Rudder last week. Yep. Uh, that secured a playoff spot for the Cubs, and now they're playing for seeding, right? They got Huntsville this week. Both teams are 3-1. and one. If they win this, they'll get another crack at Lake Creek for the district championship. Remember, they, they, got, they got into that game last year. They could have won. Yeah, it was a close the, one. Yeah. It, yeah, and Lake Creek kind of pulled away late. So uh, y- you don't want to look ahead, but... You got to know in the back of your mind, like, hey, if we win this game, like, we're we're really playing for something this this next week, which is impressive, <laughs> especially since they had uh, lost to Randall. But since that loss, I mean, they haven't lost. They've uh, won what three games in a row. Yeah, uh, and they're yeah three and one, right back on the right track. There, there's kind of a log jam there, um, in uh, in that district with uh, Huntsville, Brenham, and Randall. And now yeah. that I'm thinking about it. If Brenham won the next two games, wouldn't there be a three-way tie for that district between Randall, Lake Creek, and uh, and Brenham if they all finished with one loss? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Chaotic. So, uh, guess we'll see how uh, how that shakes yeah. out. <laughs> Credit to Huntsville. They hung tough with Lake Creek last week. I want to say they were tied going into the four for. Yeah, Huntsville gave them about all they could handle. Yeah. So. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't see anybody beating Lake Creek right now. They're really freaking they good. They looked real good against Rudder, that's for sure. I was at that one. <laughs> All right, last game on here. We got Snook at Yorktown. Blue Jays are in a must-win situation. Uh, if they beat Yorktown, uh, this is similar to Rudder, right? They got to win their last two games. Yeah. So yep. if they beat Yorktown, they'll play Luis next week for a playoff spot. And this also impacts Somerville. Mm-hmm. The Yawas, they need Yorktown to lose so they don't catch them in a tie. Yorktown has the head-to-head over them for fourth place. Somerville closes out with Burton and Falls City. Um, you know that's tough. That's that's yeah. tough. That's your that's district tough. leaders right there. That's your two district leaders. Um, that's going to be hard for the Yawas to pull off an upset. But I, uh, I'm definitely uh, definitely curious how. Um, how Snook can I think Yorktown's like a ten point favorite in this one. I think so, yeah. So and I think our Behind screen you. just went off. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's telling us we're about out of time. But hey, any final thoughts on any of these games? No, I mean uh, I'm interested in that Snook Yorktown one, and I'll be curious too if any Somerville fans maybe uh, make make the trip. You know, maybe a little scouting like the uh, Michigan. Uh, it seems situation. like just seems, don't get caught. Yeah, exactly. It seems like every game at or a level of every game, there's at least one game at each level that is uh, that has big implications on a district or a playoff spot. And hey, it's week ten. You can't get better than that. 
Hey, to your point on that, at least at the high school level, you pretty much just walk up to the gate and pay in cash. Yeah, that's a good point. Actually. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no paper Venmo. trail. No paper trail. <laughs> well, hey, thanks for tuning into this week's episode of the Brazos Sports Preps Cast. Be sure to follow all of our coverage at theeagle.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.